Yo, what's up, everybody? It's time for the In Off the Bench podcast. I am Daniel Ball, the keeper of the peace, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-hosts, my partners in crime, my brothers from other mothers, Jim Cross, Randy Jowers. Gentlemen, tonight's episode seven, titled Bada Boom, The Realest Guy in the Room. Tonight, we're going to be talking to Jaleel Willis. He is a Bellator star. He's just come off a big win, um, Bellator 253. He's also a former V3 fighting champion, former LFA champion. Man, we're going to get to dive in and talk to him and get his story, guys. But first, Jim, my man, talk to me about the weekend. Man, very low-key. You know, usually I got some kind of interesting story about the best I can give you other than watching football, which is the norm. Went and bought some video games for my family. One of the ones they picked was Just Dance 2021. And let me tell you, Daniel, I can't dance, and you know that. You've been to the club with me. But there are ways to win that game without actually being good at dancing. And I do that, and I beat them, and it really, really upsets them. But it makes me very, very happy. So play some Just Dance and some other Xbox, and then – course you know watch football on saturday and sunday yeah man so for me you know i a lot of the same it was a long week uh just getting stuff ready for thanksgiving spending some time with some family eating some good food i can't really say that i watched a whole lot of good sporting events but you know i was kind of on the the l side of things this weekend but you know i did make a make the the ultimate goal which was to get all my christmas stuff put up ready to go and if you hadn't seen the pictures you need to take a look my wife and i we kind of we killed it we should killed i put it. that on our website because i mean it's just so tight should i put that on our in off the bench absolutely <laughs> yeah hey put it out there that's that's our side hustle right there getting everybody ready for christmas season randy man what did you do this weekend man like a true fat boy ate too much and spend some time with the fam. I don't really want to talk football because uh, I told y'all a couple weeks ago it was death taxes and Titans losing to the Colts, and that shit didn't happen. So, Derrick Henry, hats off to you. But uh, it's okay. We're going to see you again. That's all right. We're, don't worry. You know we're going to dive into that later on in the show. But... Hey, look, before we get started on that, I, I got to say, I've never, since we've been doing this, never been more excited to have somebody on than I am Jaleel. Well, with that being said, let's bring the man on with the biggest interview in podcasting this week. Former V3 champ, former LFA champ, current victor in Bellator 253, my man, Jaleel, the realist, Willis. Jaleel, what's up, man? What's up? What's up, brother? How are you, man? I'm great, man. Like, we want to get your story. I want to thank you for coming on, man. Like, I... I think we've been more excited about you coming on than we than we've been for a lot of guests because like we've had a lot of people from other areas, from other states, but you're a guy that's from our hood, from our neck of the woods. So man, talk to us about growing up. Uh where are you from? What were the family dynamics from? Tell us. 
man, uh, you know, it's like born and raised in Memphis, you know what I mean? It's like, uh, it's like, you know, I was with a single mother, so she was doing the best she could, you know, me and my little sister had us moving around pretty much throughout the city. That was like her way of uh, keeping us out of trouble and like making sure, you know, my sister didn't end up in no trouble and I ain't end up in no trouble. Like every time we stayed somewhere long enough to where we can make friends, she'll move us out of the neighborhood and we'll have to move to another side of the city, start over somewhere else. And you know what I mean? It's like, so that was really more so like how I grew up, you know what I mean? It's like, we, we, you know, we was just like somewhere and we knew why, because my mom, she could see that Memphis was like bad, you know, and good, but it's like the longer you stayed, the more you was like kind of like a sitting duck and she felt like she didn't want to be preyed upon. She didn't want us to be preyed upon. So a lot of what she did was we started out at Dixie Homes. I know people remember the old PJ's Dixie Homes uh, right across from uh, La Bonner. Like I was actually born at La Bonner. Like my mom walked across the street, had me, you know, like from her section eight apartment. And then like by the time uh, I was four, she moved us out to North Memphis, out there at uh, Northside Mountain. And I believe we stayed there till like I was like eight, something like that. Then she moved us home. We just kept moving east, farther and farther east. Like went from like Watkins to North Hollywood, on over to Raleigh, until we finally made our way on into like that, you know, that White Station area and, you know, like kind of East Memphis, and that's where my I got my athletic, you know, like my athletic start wasn't around in that area. Started out at a Kingsbury wrestling, then came over to White Station and finished through wrestling from there. So, so take us back. So, I, I can I can firmly say that you're talking to two guys that went to Westside Elementary out there in Fraser. So you know where that's at. That's why my mama moved us away. She didn't want me going there. So, <laughs> damn. That's why she moved us away. Like, literally, bro, my cousins went there. And it's like, man, it, it was no secret. Like, bro, you you not want to be at Westside Elementary, Westside Middle, or Westside High School. And she 100% knew that. So, she took us, like, from Watkins and moved us over towards Hollywood. And we ended up going to, like, Brookmead. You know what I mean? Cause I was going to Corny Elementary, you know. So she moved us out there because she she like even when we was living in Northside Mountain, she was like she she didn't want us nowhere near Westside. Cause I mean, you you know, Westside got its history and we she just I guess she didn't want me on that. Let me tell you one thing about Westside now. And we didn't find this out till we started doing this podcast, but Randy and I were in the same kindergarten class. Miss Knight. Shout out, Miss Knight. Uh, you could say what you want about Westside, but Miss Knight was was the the star of that place. But you know what, Daniel? I like how because Jaleel can throw hands, he gets a pass for moving out. You know, you don't give me any kind of claim. I was born there. I moved out by the time I was four. Same thing. My mama was just looking after me. What's up? Yeah, yeah. It was I, like that's how. See, I, I don't I, I know you. I ain't afraid of you, Jaleel. On the <laughs> other hand, I saw that dude's face. From the Bellator fight, like I ain't, he can do whatever he wants to do. So, <laughs> and so we just because, gonna believe it. All right, you said it. 
Yep, for sure. So with that, man, how do you go from bouncing around and then getting into Kingsbury and then you start wrestling? How does that evolve into fighting? And I say fighting because I don't, I don't know another word for it, but I'm sure there's some type of martial arts that came in, involved in some type of, you know, jujitsu or some kind of something that, that spurred it into, like, you becoming a fighter professionally. Well, uh, that's, that's like kind of how it is. Like, um, I remember it was when I seen Forrest Griffin and Stephen Bonner fight, you know, so I – I seen that before, like the end of my wrestling career. But I remember going like, if you know, if everything fails, that's what I'm gonna do. One day, be a fighter. You know what I mean? It's like that's one thing I feel like I could adapt to. I'm not good at it right now, but I can adapt to that. And it seemed like it'll be, you know, simple and right up my alley. And man, um, I got out of high school. Like literally, that happened. Everything failed. Like from the military to you know, trying to get out of high school, get my, you know, like credentials and stuff like that, like college, everything completely failed. And, you know, me, I'm just like needing something to do, needing a place to just kind of, you know, just be myself. And I guess myself was being able to be on the mats, you know, and like being able to just be back around that type of rolling mentality. And my buddy Chase, man, he, you know, he took me to a gym and, you know, I was at that gym for quite some time, but I couldn't afford to be there. You know what I mean? So, you know, you got paid gym dudes and stuff. So I had to like start finding ways to be able to pay to stay there. You know what I mean? It's like, was like, yeah, it still was kind of like falling on deaf ears because it was like, you know, essentially I'm asking them to like, give me a job to let me train there, you know? And, so like that's kind of how that came about, and so I had like a little bit of introduction into jujitsu. Like I learned the basics of like you know you're a wrestler, you need to keep your neck tucked. You know what I mean? It's like no stand up whatsoever. What that I really learned, you know, it's like but I was 100% just a wrestler rolling and trying to get into jujitsu, and I had a little bit of it. That's a little bit of an introduction into it before I actually was, like I said, working in and out of jobs. And one of the guys who was at the gym, you know, offered me to work his t-shirt stand at the Delta Fair, which was V3's, you know, old show. And, you know, right there, that's what kind of set me up, you know, working the t-shirt booth there and a fight fell through. They needed somebody to come through and fill in that position. And I just happened to be standing next to, you know, like the somebody who was known in that MMA community and that martial arts community who could kind of vouch for me of like, well, he can go out here and at least wrestle somebody to death. You know what I mean? But it's like, I don't think neither of them really knew that I'm like, bro, it's like, bro, I can do that, but I'm like, bro, I can fight too, though. You know what I mean? It's like, but I ain't gonna say nothing because I don't want y'all to, you know, like change y'all mind about letting me in there. And they let me in there, like, you know, what's up? I'm blown away. So you're you're working this t-shirt stand. And let me let me say this. I and everyone on this podcast can respect the hustle and respect the grind. And I think if any if, if there's any word that people from Memphis can use, it's the word grind. And 
I, I am blown away that you're standing next to a guy with no intentions of fighting. And then all of a sudden you're like, I can do that. And the, yep. what yep. do they say? Okay. It's like, they was 100% they was like, you know how it is. They kind of laugh at you and they was like, we'll put you in there for real. And I'm just like, you take me, get a mouthpiece. I'm in there for real. Like what they, I don't, I don't think what they realized was like, you know, you had somebody like here who literally was like, I, 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 you know, I'm a born competitor, you know what I mean? And I haven't competed in almost a year and a year and a half, something like that. It's like coming fresh out of high school. And it's like, you know, I'm like, bro, this is my last chance here trying to, you know, this might be my last chance of being able to be on the mat and having that glory of, having my arms raised or going out and losing and knowing that I'll put my everything into another performance, you know? So they gave me that opportunity, man. And I let them know, I was like, bro, y'all just don't know y'all pulled the wrong person out the crowd today. And uh, they laughed at me, but it was crazy. And I came back, uh, dude was 11 and five. And dude's like, I remember like, as soon as he came out, I could feel just like all the chills and stuff. But when he got in the cage and I was face to face, I could just see the Vaseline on his face. And I knew I was like, this stuff for real. And I'm probably about to die, you know? It's like, but I made a promise to myself watching Forrest Griffin and Stephen Bond. And I said, if everything in my life fails, I was going to become a fighter. And bro, once you know everything failed, you know? <laughs> so I'm like, you hear, you got to at least do your best. And, and I went out there and fought my ass off. and. Walked out with a W. Damn. Damn. You know, that, Daniel, I thought he was going to say, you know, he looked dude in the eye and was like, I'm fixing to work you. But he actually was humble on it. <laughs> it's like, I mean, well, you know, <laughs> when, when, you, when you said, I, you know, put me in, did you really expect them to go, okay, let's, let's do this? Or were you like, no, nah, they just kind of brushed me off and then. Yeah, yeah, it's like, I, I 100% felt like at some point I was going to say, all right, bro, it's cool. Dude showed up. We appreciate the effort. Let us get you set up with a gym if you really want to train one day. You know, that's how I thought it was going to go. So me, I'm thinking, like, I'm just going to show them how much of a gamer I really am, you know. Really didn't think they was going to be like, yeah, go out there, you know. <laughs> like, so, and, so, and so that's how you get into cage fighting. That's unbelievable. Yep. Now, that Jaleel, I, I, I was there that night when you fought. Obviously, it was completely unknown. Um, yeah, I, I was there. I, I did a lot. I hung out with Chan, you know, Mike, Nick, all of them, still great friends of mine. Now, yeah. I, I, I heard it a different way, though. I heard it was like, and this is, I'm a, look, and even though you told the story, I'm never going to hear it any other way than this. Since y'all were kind of like standing off in the corner, and you was like looking around, you was whispering, you like, hey, man, I can fight. And they were like, what? You were like, I mean, I'll run back to the mound, grab my shit, and we'll be, it'll be on. And then that's how, like, so are you telling me that all this time I heard the wrong story? I look, that's, uh, that's like, uh, I wasn't that, like, cocky about it, you know what I mean? It's like, but I did tell them, look, drive me back to the mound and get my mouthpiece, you know? It's like, and I got it. But I wasn't that cocky about it, man. It was no, like, no. Well, yeah, it was more so them just, like, them – like kind of asking me and being like, you know, look, we can show you the guy. We, I remember them telling me that it was like, we can go show you the guy who you fighting. 
heal this, heal that. And I was like, bro, I don't need to see him. I just need to get my mouthpiece, you know, because I'm mm. like, tell me, bro, my mama, she do not want me to mess up my teeth. I'm still on her, bro. So, I, <laughs> so I'm like, I got to be careful, you know. So, uh, yeah, so the V3, let's take through after your first fight. Obviously, you kind of, you know, you, you shock everybody like that night. But then what was it like after that? Take us through and talk about V3, this organization, what they did for you, what it meant for you, Chan and those guys. Man, after that, it was like um, Chan and Rod, everybody, they, you know, it it was like they was kind of like guiding me through, you know what I mean, like the MMA community. Like, um, I didn't know how much attention they was really paying to me because, you know, I'm thinking I'm just like a small fish to them, but I didn't realize like how much they was really just like bringing me up the right way. Sometimes I felt like, you know, I was being overlooked but I guess it was just like all like timing and preparation and it's like, man, they put me literally in the right place at the right time. So I'm like every single, you know what I mean? Like about with them, like even times where I felt like I'm stuck and I don't know what else I'm going to do. It's like, it ended up coming out to where I was like, man, it worked out for me. And I either needed that time off or I needed that extra you know, the extra activity to stay active, you know what I mean? So I can be ready for this person who they ready to throw me or ready for this person. And now I can like go back and look at my uh, list of opponents and it, it don't look like, damn, he just been fighting like, you know, 50-50 fighters or some shit. So, you know, you see like B3, they always did a good job at like matching me up with people who, was like kind of like number one in a region and we had like a good regional battle. So that's what I would say. Like I, I had some good preparation for like those high pressure moments of like, not just the lights, but like knowing that uh, this is what is expected of me. And this is a higher caliber than I had last time, you know, of an opponent. Yeah, I don't know if it, if maybe it's not your favorite, but my favorite and one of the most memorable fights ever watching was the Eli McLaughlin fight because uh, it was hyped. Like, it was packed. Everybody oh, yeah. was there to talk about region, man, and everybody was, man, everybody was hyped on him, hyped on you. And, man, I just remember being so electric. I was sitting cage side, right? I, could, I mean, you're talking about seeing the Vaseline. I could see it on y'all, both of y'all's faces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was, uh, it was a hell of a fight. And I think that that, to me, was when I was like, holy shit, this dude, legit can be fighting at the highest level real soon you know and obviously you know you know it's it, it takes it's a process but uh talk about the atmosphere when v3 went to minglewood what were those atmospheres like when everybody's cheering for you it was it was almost it was always like uh yes you know what i mean it's like this is uh you know this is what um i was aiming for you know what i mean it's like I, I mean, I was, I was used to be times where I'm like sitting here visualizing my next big fight and I'm not even visualizing myself in the future and in, in the UFC, I'm like visualizing like the perfect V3, you know, night and stuff like that, you know, like with the intensity and stuff like that, you know I mean? Having all that. So a lot of that was just like me, you know what I mean? Just wanting to, I guess, keep that feeling and just keep uh, coming up from that. Cause I knew, I was like, man, you know, these dudes who are getting inside here, like, 
one thing V3 did well was like, it was people who like was within the promotion who everybody was not like known badasses. And I would get up to be across from them and people would be like, I don't know who's going to win. You know, I don't know what's going to happen. And then you come out and it's like, damn, Jaleel fucking smoked his ass, you know? <laughs> and it's like, I used to, I love that feeling, you know what I mean? It's just like kind of looking in, looking into the crowd, both like people who was for me and people who wasn't for me and just seeing the shock in their face of like, damn, I didn't know that it was that much of a spread. And I could see that people was like kind of looking up like, damn, he really is like a good competitor. And the whole time I'm thinking like, damn, I'm holding back quite a bit because I got to go to work on Monday. You know what I mean? It's like, so I'm out here making sure I don't break shit. You know what I mean? Like get hurt yeah. or nothing. You know, I'm like, imagine if out here and I know that this is my work. You know what I mean? It's like, I go hard right here and the rest of it is history. So, you know what I mean? It's like, I was just 100% like, you know what I mean? Like those atmospheres just, just prep me for those high intensity moments. You know what I mean? Oh, no doubt. I was telling the guys earlier in the group chat, these folks, we'd be so hyped in the crowd. The crowd be fighting after a fight like y'all. They ain't oh. a damn fighter in the crowd. They be trying to whoop everybody, falling over right. off the ramp outside. Y'all be going back to the back to the back in the fighters area, and we out here scrapping. Man, it stay like that too. I know, but so let's let's move on past V three. You know, you fought World Series uh, fighting, and then you know that was when you got. I think that was the one where you got gashed open pretty bad, right? You ended up winning. But I, I remember, I think it wasn't they almost stopped the fight because you got you got cut open. Okay, like I don't think they was getting close to stopping the fight, but um, I they should have, you know what I mean? But it was like a known situation of like, damn, you know, he winning this fight. Yeah. But it's like, yo, it was like, like her, I see in Herb's face, Herb knew like I'm gonna be the one who's taking this win away from him, and Herb didn't want to do that. And Herb was familiar with uh, how I fought. So he knew I wasn't going to go back in there and, like, just, like, stand and bang with him. He knew I was going to take him down and try to, you know, like, guard the cut as much as I can. So I appreciate that much for a matter, like, of, you know, like, the both the referees and the judges, you know, and the medical staff was aware that, like, yo, he his style of fighting it that cut shouldn't get no worse, you know. And if it do, right. you know, it's only one more round, and they should be able to step in. Look, but, uh, that's I don't know if it's true or not, but that's when I felt like V three made it when Herb Dean he refereed. Man, we hung out with him that night. I was like, damn, we we here. V three here. Yeah. Hey, look, I hung out with him too that night. I was like, bro, I made it, you know. It's like, hey, <laughs> I, w I was there too. It was like one fifty two. I was there too. It's like you know what? I know we all look the same. I get it, Jaleel. It's all good. So, <laughs> no, you oh, yeah. but, no. <laughs> so talk about the LFA. We'll talk about that for a minute and kind of what that was like, you know, kind of on your way up to Bellator. My LFA was like, a, uh, it was like a, a punch, in the gut, you know, like right away, you know what I mean? Like one of those, uh, you thinking you fit a, you that high school star, that four-star recruit that's about to come in and show off your stuff, and then you get that uh, dude that come hit you right in the mouth, you know what I mean, your first day of practice, and you you just know, like, shit. I may belong here, but fucking, that's a, I got a long way to go, you know, and that's what Kyle showed me. It's like, I, I had such a good first round with him, but I remember at the end of the first round going, like, 
shit, that's a UFC caliber fighter. This is a UFC caliber fight. And I did not train for a UFC caliber, you know, type deal like this. And I'm going to be in. That was the first time, like, since wrestling, I thought, okay, man, this should be a long night, you know? And I won that first round, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, mean I was like, be fucking a long fucking night because dude ain't going nowhere. He's like, ain't no. His fans fucking travel from Arizona. My fans travel from Memphis. We met up in Texas. So it's like, you got guns up on this side, realest chance on this side. Like, man, it, it, it was like crazy. And, it, and it's like, man, I could not be prepared for that. I'm like, I ain't play no high school. Like, I mean, you know, I played high school ball, 5A, 6A ball, but I'm like, that stuff felt like SEC football game, you know. It's like it, it was different, man. Like you knew it. So then that's what you envision, right? So that's the kid that the, your mama moved you around to keep you out of trouble, <laughs> and here you are in Texas with your name getting chanted, fighting a certified badass, another certified badass. So yeah. that's when you know you made it right there. Yeah, man. And that don't sound like I'm. I remember I was like breathing hard, and I like. Um, I do this thing where I'm always like looking into the crowd, like kind of looking for somebody to save me, you know, get me out of the fight. And it's like, it's like, I'm looking at everybody like screaming and like, you know, just like drooling at the mouth. And I'm like, bro, y'all looking like y'all having the time of y'all lives. I wish I was y'all, you know. <laughs> I wish you were punching me in the face right now. Yeah. I was like, man, I'm battling and I'm, I'm seeing people and, like scream like one more time, one more time. And I know that's like, that's like a realist like chant, you know what I mean? It's like, and they talking about hit them with a slam. So I'm like, I'm hearing one more time, one more time. And I'm a big WWF fan. So I'm getting like, you know, my hot tag going. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Get that hot tag, baby. Come in and save the day. Yeah, so I was like, I get that hot tag, I slam them. Once you know, this might get right back up to his feet. And I was just like, damn, bro. Yeah, oh, we it. we doing this today. <laughs> yeah, so other than that fight, was there what was the, was there ever a fight that went the distance that you thought you lost that you won? Man, uh, nope, never, never. It's like uh, I always have such a good first round, and then that second round ended up like you know, being like that uh, coasting round where I get on my bicycle. And the third rounds is always kind of like a decisive, you know, like I know I racked up quite a bit of points because I get to the point to where I'm like, what's scoring? You know, let's stick with that. You know what I mean? So I forget the damage, forget uh, like all this stuff. Like it's something that's scoring on him. There's some reason you stand here and let's get that, you know, even if it's just like cheap little points, like rack up these cheap points. And I also discovered, you know what I mean? It's like, one thing I do well is not get in touch. You know, it's like my first, like I said, like all of my amateur fights, I had like nine amateur fights and I believe I got hit like 10 times, you know, out of all those fights. So one thing about it, I, know I didn't see I'm none. Like, you, you know what I mean? But it's like, <laughs> some people be sliding stuff through, but a lot of it's like, man, I discovered like, you know, I got good movement so I can get out of the way. But one thing I need to do is make people pay and stay within range to where when I get out of the way, I can get my cheap points, you know what I mean? Get my back to scoring like I like to, you know. But no, nah, it's never been a time where 
I thought I lost the fight and I won. You know, it's it's been times where I was like, I know I won that fight, but that's like terrible. You know what I mean? It's like I'm being compared to some of the best guys in the nation. And, you know, that performance right there was, you know, Bush League almost, you know what I mean? Yeah, so I know the answer, but for the people that don't know, who, who makes your fights for you? Who matches you up? Oh, Matt Wobble with first round management. Yeah, shout out, shout out to Matt Wobble. Yeah, I love him. Yeah, yeah. I, I do too, man. He's protecting the streets <laughs> out here too, man. Yeah, yeah, so, he's protecting the streets out here. Absolutely, absolutely. Hey, and look, he done got big like me too. You know what I'm saying? He used to be a fighter, used to be skinny. Now he's looking like me out here in the streets. That's <laughs> because you you winning so much. That's why a boy getting slit. He getting thick. <laughs> so the question. <laughs> That I because I've never been a champ, Jaleel. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I win cornhole, that's about it. But is it easier to be the champ or the challenger? I mean, bro, it's easier being the challenger, you know what I mean? Because uh, when you champ, you the you gotta you can tell that uh people are expecting a lot, you know, and yeah, you know, people not expecting a lot, you expecting a lot out of yourself because you hold yourself as the best in the world, you know what I mean? So I would say it's easier being a challenger because you kind of just coming in to, you know what I mean, to show what you got and to prove yourself and you coming through, you know, on top. You know, it's like you leave with a nice hunk of metal, like nice prize, or you lose and you, you know what I mean, it's like it is what it is. But I, I say it's easier being the challenger. So obviously it's it's weird right now, and I know that, you know, you you uh, you rep Memphis BJJ, and it's obviously a prominent gym. A lot of fighters that, especially when V three was real big, it seemed like every single fighter was fighting out of that same gym. And um, but talk us through what a training camp. Actually, before we get into that, you know, I know you know because I've seen y'all messing around on Facebook. A guy that was a high school classmate of everybody on the show, Stephen Combs. Tell us about that guy for a minute. Is he is he any good? Hey, yeah, <laughs> yeah Steve, legit, he legit. So, hey, hey, I gotta, I gotta be real. He legit as a mother. I'm like, oh, I can't. Okay. You are too. I can't take him legit with that mustache. He be posting on social that boy's media. so fresh. <laughs> <laughs> that mustache, nice, bro. It's nice was, as hell. But talk us through what a training camp looks like now. Like, like for your last fight, what's that camp look like? You know, you know, with COVID. You know, I mean, things different and stuff like that. So I can really mix it up, you know, with, you know, like my Memphis colleagues, like I would like to, you know, so a lot of, like a lot of my camp is private, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, you know, I'm like, so for like the world title fight and this fight, it was pretty much the same camp. And really uh, back in March, it was like the same deal, you know, uh, keep Dow, you know what I mean, like kill switch. You uh, got him, Kevin Pease, Raheem Forrest, and uh, you know Trey Manley, Trevor Wallace, like so. Uh, and along with like T. Commons, you know he had uh, joined in uh, to the mix as well. But you know he was already kind of like there with us, you know what I mean. So it's like I see, you know what I mean, right off the back, like. 
you know, the different like volume of uh, guys I got to deal with. And, and like those dudes, uh, they like heavier than me. You know, Kevin's the only one that's like right there with me. So those like real powerful dudes. So like that. So, man, a lot of my camp is like, you know, so I try to just get like as much as I can with them, like where they, where they forte is, you know, like Kevin, a lot of his stuff is, like with the scrambles, you know what I mean? Like with the wrestling days. So I try to stick close with him on wrestling days. Trey, you know, that's my striking coach. So he is got to get so, him another fight, bro. Yeah, man, he, he need a fight like that. Like, he it ain't going to be me, fight. Jalil, but I'm saying he needs a fight. Yeah, he going to start fighting people on the street soon. Trey, Trey. I'm going to stay away from him. <laughs> Shout out Trey Manley. It ain't going to be me, bro. Bro, I was saying, like, you know, like, that's another thing, like, you know, with him, it's, it's like he is breaking, he broke my striking down for me, you know what I mean? It's like, I've always, I've always kind of knew what was up, but like, when I got him, he breaks it down of like, yo, these like five second exchanges, this is where you look good at, this is where you, you know, look bad at, you know what I mean? It's like, this is where I think you should add on here, do this there, you know what I mean? So, like, that's like been my like my secret weapon when it come down to the striking aspect, you know, of like putting stuff together. And then, you know, I got like my guy Angelo, you know, D'Angelo Leachman, got him Golden Glove boxer. He come in, and that's where that's where I get you know my doghouse rounds in. You know, what I mean, it's like I get with him and our micro and you know Danny Barlow and stuff like that. We they they all like. I ain't trying to say they, you know, they they are like better, more skillful strikers than I am. And it's the one time where I go inside there and I'm like a punching bag, you know what I mean? But, it, you know. I, I got to come it, see it. Hey, you got to come see this. It's for real. And I, bro, I would not lie to you, man. That's some of the most, some of the best rounds you'll catch in this whole, you know, like in the whole Mid-South, you know what I mean? But it's like, that. that's like what I try to do, you know. It's like I got you know my you know my core mma guys who like i stay with and stuff like that who i you know work well with and then the boxers you know those solid three right there they are like you know they the ones that like help me as far as like with um piecing together like my striking and stuff like that like with what trey telling me and actually being out there with live bodies like them, you know, it, it helps me out too. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't, I'm not able to shoot. I'm not able to throw a kick. You know what I mean? Like I have to get out there and see how I fare with throwing my hands and moving my head. And sometimes I'm out there, mind it's like, bro, I'm getting hit so much. I'm leaving my nose swollen and stuff like that. But it, I go back and look at the film and it's like some, real good crisp striking on my end you know i look like i'm an actual boxer like i belong in there and feel like yeah. that so it, iron you know, sharpens iron right yeah yeah and it, you know that's 100 true so that's a lot of what my count look like you know what i mean it's like uh I, I you know i just keep it with the home team you know it's like memphis got a lot to offer and i feel like we've been doing it for years we just never you know we just never really get it get to show it like on the national circuit and um even if we do get all 
you know, LaShawn on the national circuit, it's like, it's not really consistent because of whatever reasons, you know, it's like, so I feel like that's what I'm going to do different. It's like, you know, my time is not just a 2020 thing, you know what I mean? It's, it's like, you know, it's going to be consistent, keep going, you know. Uh, I've been saying since I saw you fight after the Delta Fair, you're going to make it. So I got to be, I got to be right about something, but I'm going to ask you <laughs> one more question and then I'm going to uh, hand you over to Jim. Best fight, not your first LFA fight. We already talked about that. Your best fight before Bellator, the opponent. My best fight before Bellator, um, Kyle Stewart. Yep. Uh, that was, uh, that was the best one for me. Like, I, first time, you know, had been faced with adversity and, you know, try to fight my way out. And, you know, it's like I fell short to it, but that was the first time I ever had to, you know, I, I you know, been, had my back up against the wall and had to, you know, fight through because, you know, I mean, I felt like he opened the door a couple of times so where I could have walked out and easily been like, man, I'll fucking get him next time back to the drawing board type shit. But, you know, I like wrote myself off at the end of the, of a round that I won in the first round, and then you know still went out there, and I was like, bro, it's just gonna be a learning lesson for me. You know, it's like it's too late to say I didn't do enough. You know, it's like you got to go out here and see like how much of an asshole I'm gonna take because I didn't do enough. You know what I mean? Man, your character shows. You said you know you face adversity, and that's what you picked for your best fight. For me, uh, you seen that more that movie Warrior. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for me, my best fight would be like a Tommy Conlon where I walk in and knock him out in nine seconds. I Forget the <laughs> adversity thing. I, I want the one where I just embarrass somebody, kind of like your one recently from what, I, from what I've seen. But, uh, no, man, I owe, you, uh, I owe you an apology, man, straight up, because Randy invited me out to V3 numerous times. And, and I didn't for your come. fights too, Jaleel. <laughs> man, so don't don't hurt me. But I tell you what, I'll, I'll make it up to you right now. You said you like being a challenger. I know I know you like uh, collecting belts. I know you like collecting money. Daniel got a belt back there, right behind him. How much I gotta pay you to go whoop him and take that belt from him? Mine. Uh, yeah. Zero. Hey, there's Zero. no North Memphis on North Memphis crime. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you this right now, Jalil. If if my life is not in danger, I ain't fighting. Nobody. <laughs> so you, right, just right. Handed him, you just handed him the belt like that? I, I seen the dude fight. Yes. I He'll know ship my it to him right now. Uh, <laughs> all right. Yeah, so uh, like, there ain't no hot tag coming from this guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's transition to Bellator. Uh, you know, when did you get on their radar, Jaleel? My no. I'd say it was maybe uh, around September, I think like September 19th, something like that, because I, I got an offer to fight on uh, uh, UFC Apex, you know, right before they went to Fight Island, the second go-round, right before they started doing the October show. So I got an offer to, I believe it was September 19th, for them, for the UFC, but... Um, Bellator had turned around because we, you know, we expressed interest to not just UFC, but to, you know, just everybody as well, because, you know, we want to see what would be best for me, you know, as a fighter and, uh, you know, just for my future. And, man, once you know, like, UFC gave me an offer, Bellator came back with an offer five times better than that, you know. 
Uh, so, and then, you know, it's like more time to train. And it was like against a name where I'm like, bro, I 100%, you know, want that. You know what I mean? It's like, it was against Patricky Pitbull. You know, it's like, the, the, the numbers was right. The timing was right. I just got out of a five-round fight. You know, I'm healed up perfectly. I don't need that much time to, you know, like, do this and do that. So, I, so it was like a no-brainer. I with those, or, you know what I mean? So, I would say I hit that radar, like, the same time I when the UFC finally, you know, kind of put me on their radar, too, you know, around the, those last couple of weeks of September. Randy, and now with the answer to that question, I see why he's your favorite guest because he said five times the amount of money and he went and Randy is all about his money. <laughs> that's what they that's what they teach us in North Memphis. Get that get that bread. Uh, <laughs> did, so did you leave LFA as a champion? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I you know, I guess it's pretty much like I retired from LFA and vacated the belt, you know what I mean? Yeah, and so um, basically, I mean, did you pay attention to who who fought for your belt afterward? That uh, glory dude was it? Uh, you know what I'm talking about? I think uh, I think it's him. Some yeah. dude uh, that just fought in glory or that's like a glory kickboxing champ. I gotta be you, real with you, you Jill, Once you left, I left. <laughs> you, said, <laughs> you said that I, I watched it. Yeah, no, I, I said, did you watch it? And think, man, I would have handled. I would have handled him. No problem. Oh, I mean, uh, look, when I seen, like, honestly, bro, when I seen that LFA show, I was like, bro, I was just appreciative to be able to watch that, John, and not fucking feel nothing, you know what I mean? It's like 100% know that I'm like, I'm good, you know, I'm straight, and I can actually enjoy this show and not think, like, what ifs, and I could have, should have, would have, you know what I mean? I hear you, man. Like, I got, I got yeah. You got a level head, man. You always focus on the future. I like it. Um, so you got a couple fights in Bellator under your belt. Uh, talk us through the uh, the Omar Johnson fight. Man, uh, that was a uh, that was another one that was like the works of uh, V three and their matchmaking. You know what I mean? It's like they, you know they they do good at giving me like challenge. You know, it's like so with that, it was like another. I think that's kind of like when I start transitioning over to like fighting like undefeated dudes, you know what I mean? To where like I didn't have nothing to go off of. Like, let's see a fight that they lost and, you know, try to pick them apart like that. Like, so yeah, with that Omar fight, that was a fight that I 100% had to go like mentally, like, you know, he's perfect. You know what I mean? It's like he's a good guy and I got a be strong-minded enough to know, like, this is his weak points. These are my strong points, and you got strong points that are his fucking weak points, you know what I mean? So you got to be fucking strong enough to be a man and go in there and, like, you got to implement that and not go, like, he's 6-0, I'm 6-0. You know, it's like, man, what's going to happen? Like, I'm the best over here, you the best over there, you know, and now we under these lights, you know, like, what's going to happen, you know? A lot of that fight was just like, man, if I feel a kick, throw a kick. If I feel a punch, throw a punch, you know. Like, but if I also feel like if I can win this fight, win this fight. You know, if you see you can win this fight without getting hurt, win this fight without getting hurt. And I seen that in the second round. It's like, you know, my takedown is always there. I don't got to stand and bang with them. Like, 
when I did try to stand and bang with him a little bit, he uh, made me pay for it. He put me like an easy, easy lead hand, you know, lead hand hook. And it was like, man, I went down like a sack of potatoes for real. And I remember he hopped on me. He started lighting me up with elbows. And I remember thinking like, bro, if I get back to my feet, do not go for this, like, guns are blazing, like, crazy, you know, finish. Like, man, get back on your fucking, get back on your bicycle and beat this dude. Like, you you know you can beat this dude, you know what I mean? It's like, it's strategically, like, possible. I mean, you're in, and it's fucking easy, you know? So, it, that was just like that. I was like, man, I just have to remember that. I'm like, bro, he'll he good, but you are, like, better than him in a lot of fucking places, man. You just don't need to get too overzealous and you don't need to get caught up in who he trained with and how great he is on his side of the pond. You know what I mean? It's like, focus on your race, like a horse with the blinders, you know what I mean? You see your finish line, you keep going. Even though he right here, I'm still like, it's my ways. I got to focus on what I got to go and my finish line is right there, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think you've done an exceptional job for someone who may not understand fighting and think it's just about the physicality, you've explained the mental aspects. I mean, just strategically and everything. My question for you, because anytime I've ever been in a fight, you know, whether it's high school or bar fight or just, you know, in nonsense, it felt like it was like five seconds long. And you, and you're talking about this situation where he hits you and then, you know, he's on top of you. Is it, does it feel fast like that? Or does it, I mean, is it slow motion? It's um, man, it's like a mixture of both. You know what I mean? It's like uh, it's like a slow motion build up. You know, and then all of a sudden it's just like a boom. You know, and and before you know, it, you got hit four times and you didn't feel none of it. You know what I mean? It's like, but like you go back and look at the film, you got like lit up four times, and like all you remember is just like that last split second of like thinking like what is he gonna do you know mm -hmm. so like that's a lot of what it is like clarity no we don't know what you mean Jay. yeah not, <laughs> when i get hit four times i feel it <laughs> we do not know what you mean. <laughs> do you wake up the next morning and go damn god no. bro yeah i do man it's like every time i always like a lot of times like after the fights i can't sleep anyway so i'm like i stay up you know because i'm like fucking jack you know what i mean it's like it usually take me like a day or something like that, like a full day before I wake up. Like if I fight like that Thursday, it'll be like that Saturday or that Sunday where I go like, damn, you know, like hands hurting, my face hurting, you know, shins hurting. Like I can't really walk, you know, it's like, then that's when I'm like putting together my like, brows in a fight. It's like, I won that fight. I do, and then, you know, I just kind of put together, like, how much of a badass he was, and I was like, man, it makes me a, even more of a badass, you know? So, right. so, you know, that's a lot of what I kind of put together, kind of, like, count my blessings, and, like, bro, it's like, that's another one, that's another notch on my belt of knowing that I'm like, you know, motherfucker, I'm, I'm here, one of the best fucking competitors in the world, and it's like, bro, I'm, it's like everything going, like, According to plan, you know, as far as I see it. All right. So, you know, talking about according to plan, you know, you ended up on the Bellator 150 or 253 card with a Lemonger. How did, uh, you know, you've been talking about how people set that up. How did that come about? 
Oh, well, you know, with the Patricky fight, uh, with that falling through, they, right, like, before I even got on the plane, before I even left the arena, they told me, get back in the gym, you know, they let me know, like, asked me what weight class I want to fight, I told them, like, I'll, you know, want to go back to 170, and they let me know, get back in the gym right away, so I'm like, you know, I don't, I ain't number where I get back in the gym, I'm good, and, the way I was saying, I was like, man, you know, I got a lot of leverage behind me now. It's like, I don't got to worry about, like, trying to balance a work schedule, trying to, you know, please this type of boss. And, you know, I don't got all those worries to worry about no more. It's like, man, I can just go to the gym, train, do this. And, like, man, I'm at the gym doing my deal. And I have lunch with Matt. Like, um, uh, that fight was October 15th. I think I had lunch with Matt like uh, five days after that, maybe four days afterwards, you know. And he he asked me, he's like, when do you think you'll be good to go? I said, I'm good to go next month. Two hours later, Matt called me back. He's like, Mark Lemonton, November 15th in a month. I'm like, perfect. You know, <laughs> it's like. He was like, no, I really meant three months, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like, let, let, me, let me enjoy myself a little bit. Like, Matt was like, next month, let's go, you know. So I was like, you know, I know on my mind, you know what I mean? It's like, when it's time to go, you say you ready, they hitting you up and, you know, you got to be ready to go, you know? Yeah, no, Randy has talked about Matt and it definitely sounds like he's business. He he uh, he talks to talk and gets it done for you. All right, so I got to watch the fight and like I said, you know, I've been missing out on you for a long time, but I finally got I finally got to watch you fight and talk me through since I got to watch it. Talk me through the strategy because I seen your game because you know not knowing anything, I didn't know you know because I obviously see you ground and pound, but I didn't know that until I actually watched you and you know seeing seeing the results of afterward, you wouldn't know you <laughs> you was ground and pound. You thought you think you was a, a boxer, but talk us through the strategy of that fight. So like man, you know. Like, my wrestling credentials is, like, a Southern-type deal, you know what I mean? It's, like, so on the wrestling scene, I'm kind of, like, right here, you know what I mean, compared to some of those, like, heavy wrestlers. And he one of those heavy wrestlers from up north in Wisconsin. So I knew that I'm, like, yo, trying to grapple with this dude is going to be another Kyle Stewart fight, you know what I mean? It's going to be a battle of hips, a battle of just another wrestling match. And I was, like, Bro, you you got no choice. You gotta trust your hands. You gotta trust what you know. You feel like are other tools in your arsenal. So I'm like, man, you know, you don't got no choice. You got here try to wrestle this dude. This might hold you down for three rounds because you you know, like the you know that wrestling shit. You know, you know enough of it, but you know, what I mean, you really can't bounce back and forth like blow for blow with just a hardcore wrestler, a college wrestler at that. My bro, my strategy was like, yo, put the hands on him, make him shoot. When he shoots, I'm good enough, I'm comfortable enough. I know I can stuff some of the best wrestlers in the world. And I always said like after every wrestling match, like even if I get beat, I'm like, bro, if I could have fought that dude, like it would have been a different story. You know, so I'm like, that's what it is right now. It's like, it's that different story. You know, it's that wrestling match. Fight him, fight him, fight him. Make him turn into that wrestler. When you turn into that wrestler, turn him up some more. You show him your wrestling ability. It's like, you confident that you can, you know, stuff anybody in the world. You stuff him, you get back, 
you already got a good ability of like not getting touched in the face. Don't get touched, but don't go too far out of range. Make him pay. You know, you already see that he don't want to fight. He wants to get you close and get within that boxing range, throw like two, three, and clinch up and get you back down. So I'm like, don't get there. You know what I mean? It's like keep him at range. Make him fight, you know. It's like even when you want to shoot, step back, make him fight. You know, it's like, shit, you, you got to fight. And that was the whole strategy right there. It's like, bro, when you're tired, jab, jab, jab. When that left hand getting tired, switch that stance up, go to that southpaw position. Nobody ever seen Jen Southpaw. It's a bunch of shit that I got in my arsenal that people never seen before. I'm like, that Southpaw is one of them. So I'm like, boom, boom, boom. And that was like throwing him off because like, he ain't never seen me stay at Southpaw. And right when he started to pick up on the Southpaw, I'm switch stance and I'm back to Orthodox pawing the other way. You know what I mean? So it's like, I, I was just like, I'm keeping him guessing, but a lot of the guessing was like, in a place that he's not comfortable with. And I wanted just him to have that reaction of like reach, 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 you know? Yeah, I mean, that's that's gotta be an outstanding feeling when you come into a fight with a game plan and it's just following the way that you want it to. And you, I mean, it sounds like, you know, you had control from the get-go mentally, physically, and then, obviously, you know, I keep making jokes about the picture. Look, man, that that as soon as that picture surfaced on social media, his face, man, I I know you got respect for your opponents and you don't talk bad, but I had to, man. I had to start shooting that to everybody. I was like, man, you see what Jaleel, the realest, did to this man? Uh, <laughs> Look like he got stung by a bunch of bees, for real. What's that, man? You got to remember, they would have they did that to me, though. You know what I mean? I would have been on all those memes, you know? Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, no, you didn't. You didn't shame him uh, at all. And uh, learning from this this interview, man, you got number respect for anybody you're in the in the ring with, no doubt. So uh, I got to ask you, you know, um, who do you think would be a good next fight for you? Man, uh, me, I was thinking somewhere along the lines like Ed Ruth. You know what I mean? It's like uh, he him being three time NCAA champion. I, I believe three times, three or four times, something like that. It's like, uh, and that's kind of like where I want to, you know, like lean towards like, you know, competing with guys with that, those credentials of like, you know, those known national solidified credentials of like, you know, I mean, we know what's over him, the nation best in the world at this right here. And I, you know, like that, that I think would be a great fight for me. So you you mentioned I got I got one more couple quick things before we get to Daniel this or that. Uh, you mentioned wrestling about being a Southern thing, and I got Rod Galvin texting me. You know he he don't he don't agree with that. Man. He said it's Chicago wrestlers. Is that true? He said what? He said Chicago's a better wrestling city. Is that true? That's all I need to know. See, look if he if he would listen to what I'm saying, no, I'm he didn't say that. I'm joking. <laughs> I was like, bro, I'm straight up saying that. Like for real, the wrestling that's like a northern thing, and yeah. like southern shit down here is like you know we good, but truth is like man, looking at places like Chattanooga and Knoxville and Saudi Days, like man, they some of the best. And you you go up north and they see Saudi Days in Tennessee on the bracket, they was like, they like laughing, you know. So I'm like, you know, what I mean, it's like it, you know, if he if Ross asked me like man. 
I've seen plenty of average wrestlers from Chicago come down and like be state champions. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, all right, I got one more for you. Was it a better feeling being named referee of the year or <laughs> V3 fighter? I mean, champ, V3 champ. Tell me, Julie, I got to know. Hey, and everybody's listening. Oh, man, for real. Oh, the referee of the year? No, nah, but I was <laughs> Look, I love being a referee. I love it. I love All right. It. <laughs> Listen, I got another one. I got another one. This is inside information. This is exclusive to and off the bench. Are you more nervous refereeing a wrestling uh, bout or walking out main event? Man, I'm nervous refereeing. Uh, look, they know somebody telling you that. <laughs> hey, I, I got sources. I, look, you don't remember kicking it with me, but I'm telling you, I, I, got, I got sources, baby. Randy, I like I've liked everything about him, and you know I don't like referees. How are you gonna put this out there? Now, now I got this ain't just a referee, Jim. This is the this is like referee of the year. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna need to see it. I'm gonna need to roll back the footage and see if he's getting it right. Yeah, yeah. Jim, I I give you whatever you wanted to. You want to be referee of the year? You want to be spectator of the year? I give you that. Sure. <laughs> Yeah, repping is way more like stressful on my brain. It's like that's the one time you'll catch me like my mouth wide open, like, sir, I don't know what to tell you. I'm sorry. Hey, <laughs> 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 well, look, I yeah. ain't gonna tell you my sources, but that same source also sent me some blooper reels of an interview. I ain't gonna say who, but it was an yeah. interview you did. You was in a gym. I don't know who you was next to, but I, I don't remember. <laughs> but I, I, I didn't share it with the group i kept it to myself bro, i can't look that's what i'm saying man it's like people put me on the spot bro i get to stuttering and it's like man i get you know it's like i'm doing it now like, oh, yeah. bro, I, you you've been I, fantastic jaleel that's what i'm saying that's because it's flowing off like i'm saying whatever i want to say but i'm like you put me on the camera and be like look say this and that's what they like say this and i'm like just uh, just think just think guys <laughs> we we are training one of the best fighters in the world right now. We're, yeah, it has nothing to do with fighting. We're just training you to, to, to not be a stutterer. Look, yeah, yeah. All, all you got, all you got Trey that. Manley, Brian Hall, all them dudes. Now you got Randy Jowers, Daniel Ball, Jim Cross. We're going to get yeah. you on the game. Look, look, all I know, Randy, is, you know, we sit there talking about being on TV. I have no idea how I'm going to censor this episode. This one's going to have to hit be straight podcast, bro. This is straight. This is straight cash, homie. This is a good one, though. I ain't got enough talent. I ain't got enough talent to get through this one. This is the this is the one I'm most excited about. This next one. Yeah. So, Randy kind of led us into it, but we're gonna play a quick little game before we get you out of here, man. It's called this or that. You down? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So. It's real simple. I give you two options. You choose one of the two options. The only rules are you can't say both and you can't say neither. So right. the the first question was Randy already asked it. What makes you more nervous, officiating or main eventing? So we, we got that off, off the plate. So the next one is, would you rather get on the ground and wrestle and pound somebody on the ground or would you rather stand and throw them hands? I'd rather stand and throw. Why? I mean, you have that wrestling background. Why would you rather just stand up and throw them hands? Cause I got a fighting background too, so I've been. I was. I 100% trust my ability to throw hands 
and to, you know, take shots and give shots. Like, I'm still awake. You know, I mean, that's a lot that I can do. So I'm more comfortable right there. You know what I mean? It's like throwing hands. So would you rather win via, like, a TKO knockout or would you rather get somebody to submit? Man, no. I guess I'll say TKO. I never submitted somebody in a fight before. I've seen you knock some folks out, though. Sleepy time. <laughs> yeah, it's like, and it was submission that was open. And I was like, I'm not going. You know, like, <laughs> submission just seems like too much work. Just, I just read throw a punch and just. Yeah, I know what happened if you miss, bro. Mm -hmm. nope. Yep. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Would you, would you rather go back in the past or fast forward to the future? Oh, snap, son. Damn, y'all hit me with Oof. Man, I don't know, bro. Past was like a rough one for me, man. I was ugly as shit. I don't think I'd go back to the past. I would, get, I would fast forward to the future. Especially but, being a future champ, I'd have said future all day. No, nah, you want to go back to that night you was kicking it with me. You said Herb Dean, but you meant me in, in, in you know, 152. <laughs> I know. That's all good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so I, I'll, I'll ask you real quick about the past. Don't you think there's there's something to be said about your past and, and how it, it it actually has kind of made you who you are and put you in a position to to be where you're at? Yeah, yeah. Because like I said, I 100% wouldn't be under this if I just had a wee bit success anywhere else. You know what I mean? Like if I would have, you know. If I would have graduated high school, I would have, you know, got a decent job or a job, something like that, where, you know, you show the diploma and you're good. It's like I would have went to like a little community college or something like that. If I even had a window of like wrestling opportunity somewhere, it's like I would have went for it. Uh, if I could have got past that ass bail, bro, I would have been in the military, you know what I mean? It's like I 100% was like, you know, I had a bunch of stuff that I was like, you know, you don't need to depend on your body too much, you know, to get you through life. And so, but it's like, I ended up resulting back to, you know what I mean? Like fighting. So a lot of, you know what I mean? A lot of that stuff, like, yeah, it, it, it did like make me who I was. Cause you know, it's like, man, I had moments where moms, she, you know, she, she was like, you know, not with me. Like, you know what I mean? She, she was pissed off and shit because, you know, I wouldn't go to school. I wouldn't, you know, try to, like, get these credentials that she felt like an average person, you know, needed or successful person. Like, at least go get your GED. And I'm just like, you know, I want to fight. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm sorry I'm lazy. I'm sorry I'm this. I'm sorry I don't fit in right here of, like, wanting to, I guess, what people say, be somebody or be something or try to go do this on that man I I enjoy being it was crazy like man I enjoy making $150 a week and going to fight every night you know it's like like that was that was a better feeling for me you know versus to being in school stressing about which girl I'm get to sleep with why you know these folks ain't fucking with me you know what I mean it's like bro like I look at my friends and shit like that a lot of them like super like credential and got all this stuff behind them, but they look at me as like, 
he the hero, you know what I mean? He the one living the dream. He the one doing this and doing that. And a lot of it is because it's like, he, they, they say it's like he followed his dreams. He did this and did that. It's like, bro, but what you don't know, it's like, man, I had no choice. And like, you know, it's like, I, you know what I mean? Like I'm 100%, it's like failed. So what's me coming in and failing at fighting, you know, like getting beat up a little bit, it's like, it's not going to fuck my life up any worse than what it already is. So, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, yeah that did make me, you know. Yeah, oh. the reason that he asked that question and the reason why I think we get so excited about you coming on is, man, 100% to all our guests we've had on, but a lot of them, man, were training and getting professional training at an early age. You know, you know, you talked about the, the gym and being able to pay for it. And, you know, they were they were getting that and they came from families full of athletes and, you know, older siblings who was teaching them the game. And your story is unique to the majority that we've gotten because, you know, as Daniel said, man, you've had to grind the whole way. And I think that's that's what he's saying, man, because, you know, um, you know, every one of them, every one of them worked and, and gotten to where they did deservedly so, but they didn't have the same route you did. And that's why we have to applaud you for it. Yeah, well, yeah. I appreciate it. I really do. So would you would you rather fight in a small city that's packed out or would you rather be on a big, big stage like a Vegas with, with a sold-out crowd and, and, and people just yelling and screaming? Mine, I, I say I'd rather be on that uh, big sold-out crowd, you know, so the, the the reason I ask that now is because do you think that there the more the higher the stage does that put any more pressure on you to do anything different or is your game plan regardless of where you fight or what kind of stage you're going to go out with the same game plan and just do you Right. I think uh, the pressure is only going to come if I create it, you know what I mean? It's like, uh, at this point, I should be aware of knowing that it's like, there's it, it no more easy fights, and there is nobody who I'm really going to look at and go, like, easy win, no pressure, you know? So, man, I feel like, I especially with that last performance and, you know, how good I feel right now, it's like, I feel like it, I'm going to continue to, like, do me. You know what I mean? It's like just settle in and do whatever it is I want to do because, like, I, I got no need to put any extra pressure on me. You know, it's like, I, like, like I said, V3, they didn't prep me for this, and LFA did they part in prepping me. You know, it's like everybody else around the way. So, I'm like, I got no reason to, you know, feel like it'll be pressure. It's like – all that stuff will be like 100% just me wanting to like stack up the odds against myself or something like that. But I'm, you know, like me talking to Andy, like he let me know, it's like, bro, you supposed to be here. I don't even understand why you try to put pressure on yourself of like being like, dude, I got to do this and do that. It's like, you know, truth is, bro, it's like for 10 years, man, I still haven't even put like, a grade A performance together, you know, like the way I do that training. So let me let me ask you this. 
you you only have one of these that you can pick. If somebody said, Jaleel, we want you to go back and fight somebody again, would you pick Harvey Park or would you pick Kyle Stewart? I pick Harvey Park, you know. It's like uh, I feel like I didn't, you know, I, I wasn't there for that fight, you know what I mean? It's like I was one of those ones where I stacked up all the odds against me and, you know, I, I don't think I showed up ready to fight, you know. So, all right. Jaleel had to get up out of here, you know, with a fighter life. You got to train hard and you got to get that rest. He's going to go grab some Z's before he wakes up and, and hits it hard first thing in the morning. You know, that's a, a great story um, on his part, guys. I know that we get a, a lot of really, really good stories from all the athletes that we have, but, like, that is impressive to me, the grind and the fight and, the, you know, overcoming the adversity that he had to come come over um, as a kid and just, just being in the right place at the right time and, and standing up for himself and just believing in himself and saying, man, I got this. But, you know, I want to thank Jaleel for coming on. We're definitely going to have him back because I – I see big things. I see some belts in his future, guys. I don't know about y'all, but I, I foresee him doing some really big things up in Bellator. We're going to take a break. We're going to plug our sponsors. When we come back, we got headlines, Randy's Riches, blowing that whistle, and that's what's up. Welcome back to the In Off The Bench podcast. We got some headlines for you. Leading off tonight, we're going to talk NCAA basketball. The guys had some, uh, you know, some tournaments going on. We know that Gonzaga played, looked really, really good. And I'll start with you, Jim. Gonzaga, is this their year? Man, I really actually kind of hope so if it ain't Memphis because Mark Few has just been – he's been amazing. He's had that team competing every year for as long as I can remember. And, you know, I just respect his hustle. I respect the team. They've put out some really good players. And so, you know, obviously Memphis comes first. But, you know what, I'll say third because, you know what, I've, I've been with Randy giving Rick Barnes some shout-outs. And I know that makes you sick, Daniel. So, I'm going to say Memphis – then Tennessee, and then if I was to pick a third team I'd want to win it, it would be Gonzaga. All right, all right. Randy, what about you? This Is this the year? I mean, I'd, I'd say I didn't watch the game, but the highlights of Gonzaga, you know, they look legit. Yeah, they look, did look legit. 77% from two-point range. So, I mean, the wow, right? I mean, that is impressive as it is. Mark Few, like Jim said, has been doing the thing, um, has, has really put them on the map uh, and kept them there as uh, one of the first mid-majors, if you will. And Now that's a, a slight because they are a major, uh, number one team in the country. And you know what? As, as Russell Westbrook would say, why not? You know, and, and as good as they played, we can go to the other end and talk about Memphis, who did not show very well. And I, being a fan, I was – I wanted them to go and I wanted them to play and I wanted them to obviously do well. But after it's all said and done, I don't see any benefit, any upside, or any gain that they had by going to this tournament. Uh, Jim, I'll start with you. Should, should fans be worried 
Normally I would say yes. You know, I love listening to local radio. They talked about it today. Believe it or not, they are still somewhere, uh, you know, shoot me for, for forgetting exact number, but like 223 as far as youngest team in the country. It, they're top 25 in the fact of starting lineup coming from last year to this year of of minutes played. So, yes, these guys did play last year, but they're still young and they're still making mistakes. And you've seen Musa, you know, trying to find his footing. For me, I'm encouraged simply because of just raw athleticism, especially on the defensive end. I felt like in the good spurts that I did see this weekend, I felt like they could press and lock down the floor on anybody. I, I really say that and mean that. And so I see – I saw some things that make me feel good. It's the continued problem from last year, though. Obviously, it's about shot making, and, I, and that's probably the most disturbing thing, and I messaged you that in real time. I mean, missing bunnies right at the rack. Like, I just – I don't get it. But I was encouraged by some things, especially your cousin, Damian Ball, looked good. My boy Boogie in the, in the first game, and, you know, I mean – Growing pains, brother. Randy, should Penny be worried? Yeah, he should be. On and what what ends? Should he be worried on, on pressure and heat from the fans and not winning or the fact that they didn't get better over a three-game stretch, they got progressively worse? Yeah, I don't think you worry about the fans or the local media or anything like that. I mean, although Penny's never really had to deal with that, he had to know that it was coming. He saw Larry Finch take that criticism, so he knew that was coming. They did get progressively worse, and it is something to worry about uh, because when you are recruiting at the level that Penny recruited at last year and the year before, you can out-athlete a certain amount of teams um, especially on the defensive end. If you pick up pressure and you, you run schemes and you, know, and you have length and you can defend the rim, that's all great on the defensive end. Uh, but any team that runs a good offensive set is going to eventually score on you. And if you can't score, you're just not going to win games against even average teams. So, um, you know, some of it, I think DJ Jeffries uh, is going to start hitting shots. I just don't know what their identity is on the offensive end or what they're trying to run. And, and, you know, I don't listen – I didn't get a chance to listen to talk radio today in Memphis, but I'm sure it's been said. Alex Lomax for – I mean, he's like an adopted son of Penny, but I just don't think he's a starting point guard at the University of Memphis. Then, then who is, Jim? Who, who can play the point guard position? Boogie, because simply, you know, Randy's talking about we've got to be able to score, and he's really right now the one guy that I feel can create – his shot and create a shot for other players. He had some really good possessions, not just when he was scoring, but creating for the big. So, I mean, it's got to be Boogie. Well, one one thing to add to that, though, is it just seems Boogie's great and he can score. DJ can score. Landon and Nolly proved he could score in the one game. But they don't do it in a flow of an offense. Like, they're taking turns running ISO sets, and it's just – it's not fluid. You know, you see, you know, and people have criticized Cal for that in his earlier years, and they don't play like that anymore. But they're going to get after you on the defensive end, and, you know, they're going to score some fast break points, score off turnovers, and they're going to run some of the, you know, the their, their patented set. The Tex winners that kind of thing is what Penny needs to be leaning towards. 
you know, a lot of people have already pointed out you lost Mike Miller. That hurts you. No, no I don't think it does. It's not going to hurt your recruiting. You need a X's and O's coach, in my opinion. I'm not saying that Penny does not in basketball. That would be stupid. I'm saying that he needs a guy that can coach X's and O's and so he can go do what he can do, recruit and get after it on the defensive end. Well, Randy, what, what's Western Kentucky's uh, coach's name? If you don't know, you don't know it. I don't Stan, know. It. Stansbury? Yeah. Yeah, uh, the reason why yeah. I asked is because when that game got tight and, you know, they the, they kept talking about it, the commentary, um, the plays that were being drawn up and the way they were executing them, it speaks exactly to what Randy's saying because they that's when they started to pull away because they started executing a great flowing offense that Randy's saying we didn't. Yeah, I, I I'm concerned – simply on the fact that there was no upside, no gain. And I've seen them play and lose numerous games and, and opening tournaments for the year. But you could see some promise. You could see some upside. And you could see them progressively do things better and, and, and be a little different from game to game. I saw a lot of inconsistency, a lot of turnovers, and still – not very good shooting percentages, which is all of the things that made them struggle last year. And so that's why I say, like, you you can't play the game for the players, but at some point Penny has to be the one to be held accountable for the players that he's getting that's not making the changes necessary to win. Um, you know, looking looking – you know, at this week, you got a couple of, of keynote games. You got Michigan State and Duke and Kentucky at Kansas. Randy, I'll, I'll start with you. Of those four teams, are we likely to see those four teams possibly win it all? No, I, I don't. It's going to be really hard for Kentucky. And I know Dick Howell will say, oh, my teams get better as the year goes on. And I, they will. They will get better. Uh, but they don't return a single player bench or starters that average over five points a game that's just a lot to make up I don't think and we're talking about youth I don't think Kentucky's going to be one of them um Duke I mean you know I will give it to coach K all day development bringing in talent upperclassmen they I think they're the most likely of the four Izzo is one of my favorites uh believe it or not though since this tournament has started Michigan State winless against Duke in this coaches or champions classic Kansas just ran up against the buzzsaw, right? When 77% from two from Gonzaga, they ran up against it. I think they're going to be good. I don't know how good. And it's so early in the season. And these guys, you don't know what they've been practicing, how long they've been practicing. So, give me Duke if I got to take one. Yeah, I don't I don't say a whole lot of positives about Coach Cal, but I will say this. He had a chance after the Moorhead State game or Morehouse. I can't remember who it was. But he went out there right. and said – yeah, he, he went out there and said, you know – if we lose games, do not blame the players. Blame me. And he said, you know, the players have a lot that they're having to deal with. They're having to balance this pandemic. They're trying to balance a different way of learning. They're trying to balance a different way of, of practicing. In some aspects, they're not even getting on the basketball court at all to practice. It's, it's, it's virtual practices and X's and O's and looking at film and it's just all different. So he, he, he basically, you know, took one for the team and was like, no matter how bad or good they play, like our, our failures are on me and no one else. So, you know, hat, hats off to him for that. 
Um, Jim, of those four teams, anybody that you, you think we'll see, you know, cutting nets down in March? I mean, you know, they all have a possibility. And, you know, as Randy went through the coaches. But, I mean, I would always put my money on Duke out of those four. I mean, Coach K is just Coach K and the talent that's there. But I really think, you know, I feel like I'm, I, you know, I'm looking at the rankings in front of us, man. And, you know, I just, I don't know. You asked the question earlier and I look at Gonzaga and I mean, I don't know, man. Feeling like it ain't going to be those four. I think it, I think it might be Gonzaga. I feel like they are always the, the sexy pick because I mean, as of, as of late, they're always in the conversation, but it's, it's always something happens. So It'll be interesting to see if they can keep up this 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 fire for a whole season, because uh, that's what it's going to take. But let's jump into NFL guys, and you know a, there was some Thursday games. There was a lot of COVID issues. We got one game that's now that was supposed to be played on Thursday. It was moved to Sunday, then Monday, then Tuesday, now Wednesday, and I, I don't even know if they're going to play it at all. Um, but I'll start with the recap of this week, Randy. I know you don't want to go here, but we'll go Colts and Titans, man. Give us give us your thoughts. I could go into all the people the Colts were missing, all the starters, but I think we should just go ahead and hand Defensive Player of the Year to DeForest Buckner because without that guy, that defensive line looked – oh, man, it looked like the Colts' defense from old. They couldn't – they were getting beat off the line. They were getting run over. And it's not like it's it's Derrick Henry, right? That's not that, that's nothing. But getting beat at the point of attack is unacceptable, and that is where this year. And to have a team put up 45, your rival, in your home stadium, uh, unacceptable. But I'm glad you said it, Randy, because that was the biggest thing, right? All I kept – and, you know, the running back just does his job, right? You run through the hole. But I kept hearing Henry was unstoppable. And I watched every second of that game, and the holes were gaping, to your point. And so, yeah, I mean, he's still doing his job. You give him his credit. But, man, I would have liked to hear the offensive line get all the credit in the world for that game. The big uglies. But uh, he was getting – and then, of course, once you got Derrick Henry matched up against a safety, of course. Yeah, I mean <laughs> – but he was definitely – he was stiff-arming some linemen, too. I just think that having three defensive linemen starters be out, was it just proved to be too much for the Colts. Is there is there any worry that this loss is, is – is a big loss. I know it was it was for divisional first place, but I I would probably guess to say they're both going to make the playoffs. But is this going to come back and, and hurt the Colts later on? Well, I think so because when you look, they showed the graphic on CBS the other day. The difference in schedules. They got to play the Texans twice. The Colts do, and the Texans. Everybody said, "Oh, they're four and seven. They're playing a lot better, and they have Deshaun Watson." I mean, they, that's not a team that you're just going to go in and beat just because you show up. Uh, they got the Steelers. I mean, the Colts, yeah, they're in trouble. They got to get everybody back like yesterday. So, Jim, jumping to the Saints, Saints and Broncos. Um, Broncos had brought a guy from uh, the practice squad up to be the starting quarterback. You know, your boy Taysom gets, gets another start at quarterback. So, you know, talk to us about that game. Well, before I jump into that, I want to flip something on you. It has to do with my game, but it has to do with your initial statement talking about the game that changed from Thursday to Monday to Tuesday to Wednesday. 
a lot of reports have came out that the main reason that they had moved it was to try to get Lamar Jackson available to play. And that's not just a couple, you know, random reporters with no credentials. That was big names. And to me, if I'm Denver, I'm pissed off because you sent me to play a red-hot Saints team with no quarterback and you're willing to flex and flex and flex for the Ravens because they're considered more one of the primetime teams. That's To me, that's bullshit. I would agree with that. And what's crazy is that the Steelers have done, in all accounts, everything right. They've run into the bad luck of other teams having issues with COVID. And now you're penalizing the Steelers and forcing them to play, you know, what happens if they don't like they play again the following week and I, I don't know what the turnaround time is, but like that's well, it messed up your team's game because they were yeah. gonna be playing the Ravens on Thursday. So I mean it messes up the whole thing, but I just so it makes it look it makes the NFL look bad in my opinion because you threw Denver out there and I get it. Denver is not gonna probably make the playoffs, you know Saints would more than likely beat them anyway. But, I mean, you can always say that, but you don't know. Um, you got to let the game play out. So, it's very unfair. Um, what I will say, you know, you were talking about giving respect to Coach uh, – or to Cal earlier. Same thing to to Denver, first of all, for not making excuses. But then Saints players um, didn't talk smack before or after the game. They gave, they gave the kid, they gave the team – credit for um, still coming out and playing the game. But, I mean, the score says 31-3, to but it's not even really worth talking about because it was – I mean, it was boring. I Like, I don't even really know how the Saints got 31 points. And what I will bring up is something Randy brought to me earlier, and that's the fact that Alvin Kamara, who was leading in all-purpose yards and touchdowns, hasn't done anything in two weeks with Taysom at quarterback. And that's concerning because you've got to get your, your best player involved. The The only thing I can hope from what I saw this past week is because it was Denver and their defense was shutting it down, you didn't want to show anything. Now, I mean, it's easy to say that, but um, that's, that's the best I can hope for because that offense looked boring and not getting your best player involved is just inexcusable. So, you know, we'll – Move on to the Chiefs and the Bucks, and I'll, I'll be honest with you guys. Like after one half of football, I was writing the Bucks off and thinking to myself, like this could get ugly real quick if if things don't turn around. And, and you know, as the third quarter went on and they started the fourth quarter, it was like the Bucks are hanging around, and they like the the Chiefs are one small mistake or one penalty or non non penalty away from giving the bucks a chance to 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 hurt them um but pat mahomes does what he does he's elusive it's hard to tackle him he you know takes pressure and gets away from it and throws across his body and sidearm and does all this crazy stuff and he gets the job done and i mean at the end of it the bucks just didn't have an answer and they couldn't get the stop when they needed to. So Daniel, you're a big coach guy. Let me ask you a question. Cause I listened to them talk about it this morning, Keyshawn and them, um, Tyree killed. So the bucks were playing man. At what point do you change what you're doing? Because 200 yards in the first quarter, 
at some Never. point, yeah, right? Like at some point, well before 200 yards, you should have said, hey, what we're doing is not working. Let's change it. Yeah, I mean, that's the the downfall. I think I've said this on, on the podcast many times is that NFL coaches fall into that trap of this is my scheme, this is my game plan, and I'm sticking to it. And I think Bruce Arians did the same thing. Like he was just going to say, well, I'm going to stick to this and this is what we're going to do. And I say Bruce Arians, but like he has the final say on every, everything. And, you know, not that he's the sole guy, but like how does Tyreek Hill, how do you let him have the, the first quarter and the first half that he does without doing anything different? I mean, the guy, it was just ease for him and like it's it's bad coaching or a lack of coaching probably um so yeah to answer your question there's there's some some questions that still need to be answered on the coaching side both offensively and defensively for the bucks um just looking at another game, you know, and I bring this up only because I think it's it's interesting to talk about is that the Jets and the Dolphins, are the Jets going to lose every game this year, Randy? Yeah. Yeah, they're going to follow up those. They're so bad. I mean, you know, Sam, they, although shout out to Frank Gore, right? Still out there rushing. He's like 54 this year, collecting Social Security next year, rushing for 74 yards. Shout out to him, but they are next level bad. Hey, I got I got one um, one game I want to touch on, and I want to I want to shoot it to Randy because he picked the 49ers before the season, and this is a team that you know has had every injury in the world, and you got the Rams who are knocking folks off left and right, and then San Fran goes in there and beats them, and like well, they, uh, you know, is that just showing that this team, you know, is a is a team that's capable, even missing a lot of pieces that can fight. Yeah, I think it, it go, good coaching, man. Shanahan's got them boys playing. And it goes back to this. I'm still not a believer in Jared Goff as a starting as an elite starting quarterback. I think that I, I do love McVay. I like what they do, but I don't. Plus, that's kind of a rivalry game, and, you know, those that's kind of been going. So, shout out to the 49ers for, for like you said, for all the injuries they've had plus COVID, plus all the weird – now they can't even play in their own state, and they just go out there and win, baby. Because that win – I don't know if y'all looked. Like, I mean, them and the Vikings uh, – I'd have to, to look to, to really pick it up. But right now, guys, the Vikings are holding the seven spot with the, the 49ers, the same record at eight. Like, teams that we kind of thought were dead are alive. Yeah, I mean, the, you're, you're looking at, at... – the the Saints, the Packers, the Seahawks, the Giants, the Rams, the Bucks, the Cardinals, and the Vikings at five and six right there with the Bears who have lost five in a row and the 49ers at five and six just hold, holding steady. Um, what's crazy to think is that that eighth spot you're looking at teams that are four and seven and three and six and, and even the Cowboys at three and eight who still have a chance to make it into that that spot. That's I mean, the statistically speaking, they do. I think what the team yes. that's interesting and, and, you know, I keep I keep going to Randy, but, you know, he picked the, the Falcons preseason as well. And the interesting 
the reason it's interesting is they just beat the brakes off the Raiders. Therefore, in seven, you take those games that they blew away in their seven oh. and four and right in the thick of it. But don't, I mean, look, look at the Super Bowl. They have a history of blowing games. That's what they do. It's, it's just crazy, though. I mean, they got I a mean, big game this weekend. Yep. And that's the thing. And you know that we just, you just said something about divisional games. The Saints play like they did against Denver. They're going to lose to Atlanta, I'm going to say right now. So yeah, let's, Atlanta let's, has, they have talent. Let's jump into this week's games. I mean, obviously, the, the one that we're talking about, the Saints and the Falcons, that's, you know, a four and seven Falcons team versus a nine and two Saints team. It doesn't, it doesn't look like it's that big of a game. But when you, you look at what the Falcons have just done, um, like it's, it's a, it's not a big game for the Saints. It's a huge game for the Falcons. Right. And, and because of that, and because you don't have Breeze and, and Kamara is not getting as involved as, as he, as he should be. Like I can see the trepidation that, that you might feel being a Saints fan going in and having a letdown, but I will say, let's say the Saints do lose. Are you, are you worried? No, I'm not. But I mean, I do want that one seed just because traditionally we do lose, but man, you know, stat got dropped today. The Saints are NFL best 27 and three in their last 30 road games for a team that's known for only playing in the dome. So, I mean, what do what's I What's that? What's that like in the playoffs, though? Yeah, that, I mean, that, that's a different story. But, well, and you know what? Actually, Randy, our last few playoff losses were at home. So, I can't even – the playoffs just suck no matter where they're at. But, um, yeah, I, I, want that, I want that one seed just like any other Saints uh, fan or player does. But the, the thing I would say, that the one thing that matters in that game is if Julio's not playing, then I'm not worried because um, he obviously is a game changer and they need him. So that, that would be the, the one caveat. So, Randy, looking at you, your game, you got Colts and Texans, and you, you hinted at it earlier. This is a pretty pretty big game, must win, you think? An absolute must win, and I'm afraid of it because as much as the uh, Colts own the Titans, I can't say that after – well, I still can because it's like 18-2 and two in the last 20. <laughs> let's, 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 let's talk about it, Titan fans. Y'all got a little hype. A lot of people texting me. I seen a lot of Facebook taking me. shots. Yeah, I seen that. People taking shots, bringing up my old post from two weeks ago. That's what Cowboys fans do. But nobody wanted to talk, you know. Trey Powell, I'm looking at you, uh, you know. But it's okay. Hey, it's all good. It's all good. We, Randy, we'll see y'all again. But you know who won't be playing in that game? Who's that? Will Fuller. He will not be playing. Will Fuller is cheat, a human cheat code. <laughs> uh, so, sorry, Will. We're going to have to take this dub from you. But, hey, the, the Texans have managed to beat the Colts a, a lot recently, so we got to yeah. have it, though. Two out of the next three, we've beaten them. Well, the good news for you is is the Titans are going to take an L this week, so it's all good. Who, who are they playing? Oh, who, Lord. Who they they're got? Playing, they're, they're playing Cleveland. the 8-3 eight and three Cleveland Browns. I've so, never seen a worse 8-3 and three team in my life. Let, let's, let's jump to that, Jim. I don't even have them, like, on, on the docket to talk about, but since you brought them up – is this the game that they need to win to, to earn some credibility? Yeah, but I think – honestly, because I, t- I texted y'all about this. Dude, I think Nick Chubb might be one of the most underrated players in the NFL, especially running back. And since he's came back from his injury, he is just killing folks. I, I mean, and not even on a ton of carries because they're still giving Kareem Hunt 
um, his workload. And so they're, they're able to even keep him fresh. And then this week, um, man, lo and behold, Baker Mayfield figured out that Jarvis Landry is his best weapon and hit him a ton. So After I bench him in fantasy. <laughs> after you bench him, of course, I would have benched him too. But the Browns are going to prove a point this week. They're going to be nine and three, and y'all going to come on here and be like, wow, like the Browns. No, I'm not going to say that, but I'll ask you, Randy, if 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 some way the Browns do beat the the Titans, does that mean they're better than the Colts? <laughs> well, oh, yeah, I, because the Browns beat the Colts and the Titans. Yeah, absolutely. Shout out to Baker Mayfield. If he wakes up feeling dangerous Sunday, it's on. Man, so uh, Cowboys and Ravens look like they're going to play on Tuesday, hopefully. Um and just just in time for Lamar Jackson to come back, so good for them. Um, He's not a quarterback. That's what Jim told us. Yeah, and and watch he'll he'll sling the ball all down the field all over Tuesday, Tuesday all He's over. Steve watch. Young two point Yeah, and then then we got Steelers versus Washington. I mean, the Steelers have to lose a game at some point, don't they, Jim? Yeah, but check this out. As you brought up, look, I would. For your for your sake, I wish the Cowboys hadn't laid an egg because I looked at I looked at the slate as you bring up that they're playing Washington. Do the Steelers and Washington play? The Eagles and Packers play, and the Giants and Seahawks. Dude, every team in your division is playing a monster. Um, and so had y'all won last week, and then you played the the COVID stricken Ravens and won. Like I mean, you'd be in the driver's seat. Y'all drop y'all drop the ball. All those Not teams. to make you feel any worse about your team's horrible <laughs> performance, but yeah, the, I mean the whole NF the whole uh, NFC East is losing next week. That's a fact, Jack. Shout well, out I mean, Antonio what, Gibson. What's the difference between any other week, Jim? Uh, true, true story. But I'll say I'll say this: Washington's playing good. Uh, they would be a great story to beat the Steelers. Um, for Randy's sake, I wanted to be the Colts, but you know. Uh, I did, I do know this. I, I had a Steelers fan talking trash to me on Facebook today. Did an Instagram poll on our in off the bench thing. The uh, the Saints You're still won. on Facebook. Yeah, I still am currently. But the Saints uh, took a ran away with this poll on who's better, the Saints or the Steelers. And I did not tag any friends before y'all say that was my initiative because a Steelers fan had this whole idea that they were ten times better because they were undefeated. And I pointed out that they have played the easiest schedule. And I know you play who's in front of you. But then I really got at them when I showed them that the Saints had the number one ranked defense. So that really ate at them. I mean, I, I honestly, I hope the Steelers do beat Washington. I want them to come in undefeated playing them Buffalo Bills. <laughs> so, you know, it, any other games of note, Randy, that we're missing before we hop into NCAA football? Nah, man, that's it. The only thing that matters is Colts and Texans. All right, guys, let's jump into it. College football, week 13. Um, Notre Dame beats North Carolina, Jim. Is that a is that a big deal? Yeah, I mean, whether North Carolina is, like, really great, it's still a good team, and Notre Dame is beating good teams. You know, we keep waiting for them to do what Notre Dame does, and they're not doing it. They're, they continue to win, so – it's a it's another win. It's a it's a win over a top twenty five opponent, and for now we have to continue to to respect them to a degree. So, Randy, Alabama crushes Auburn. I I, I think we can 
do we just go ahead and wrap up the national championship and give it to him? I think we uh, what we saw is that Nick Saban is overrated as a head coach. I mean, I think that's I think that's what we got out of here. Steve Sarkeesian is now going to take his job. You know, hey, Philip Foreman did it to Johnny Majors. I think it's happening again. Is is Sarkeesian going to get another head coaching opportunity soon? Absolutely, absolutely. Where at, Jim? LSU. Don't say Vanderbilt. <laughs> no, I said LSU. Oh, man. Uh, I mean, there's going to be a – I don't know. Let me ask you – let me prefer – before I would pick, do y'all think that a typical – it's going to be a typical hot seat year being that COVID has affected the season? Because a lot of people seem to think not. A lot of people think coaches are going to get passes. Well, Will Muschamp did not. Derek Mason did not. I don't think the SEC gives a shit about a COVID. <laughs> They and part of it is the coaches said they wanted to play. So why why not Vandy? There you go. I hate to rhyme like that, but why not Vandy, Randy? That's an absolutely terrible job <laughs> to take. I mean, you're just up against it, right? You you can't recruit because of their academic standards. You can't recruit the same as literally every other team in your division can in your conference. But the only thing that really matters to Vanderbilt is they're still getting their cut. You know, they get an equal share. Yeah. So, Jim, we talked about it a little bit. Texas A&M beats LSU. I think LSU had opportunities to win the game and, and just didn't. So, what did you see? Um, instead of, you know, doing any griping, uh, I will say, you know, compliments to LSU defense for actually showing up for a game. Um, DBs that are – top five recruits in the country actually look like it. Um, and so shout out to them making Kellen Mond look, um, I wouldn't even say he wasn't even average. He's below average. And that's where I want to go with this. You know, y'all talked about how through text that Dan Orlovsky, you know, talked about Texas A&M's defense and that's fine. But that offense, I wasn't impressed. Um, I've seen Mond over the last couple of years where he's just supposed to be this big time guy and I've yet to see it. And when you talk about the way Alabama whooped them, I just don't see him against a big-time team in a big-time game getting it done. I'm not, I'm not seeing it from Texas a and I'm not a believer. I don't think that they're worthy of their rank. It's interesting that I feel the way I do about Florida, and yet they beat them. Like, I want to go back and watch the film and figure out what went wrong for Florida because I don't think Texas a and is the number five team. So when we look at – when we talk about playoff rankings, right now you're looking at Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio State, Texas A&M. Randy, are those the top five teams in the country? Yep, they are. I mean, because they've, they've beat who's in front of them. Um, you know, and Florida can't make a case against A&M. They, they had them, and they lost to them. So, yes, that's it, top five. But they control their own destiny, and I know y'all – believe what you believe when they when they go to play Bama, but Florida gets a chance to to earn their spot still. So so I got a question. They do so and not after they take this L this weekend, bro. <laughs> so so Jim, I think you were questioning earlier um when I was talking to you about Texas A and M being in the top five. So let me just 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 hear me out. Clemson loses to Notre Dame, who's ranked number two 
Texas A&M, who is ranked below Clemson, loses to who? Based on what they got, I don't think they lose to anybody. But, but that's they, why – They that lost was, to Alabama. Correct. But that, that was, that was Alabama, a hold, style hold on now. Hold on now. Alabama is ranked number one. So, at what point does a loss to number one make it better than a loss to a number two? So, my question is, how is Texas A&M, if that's the case, still sitting at five and Clemson sitting at four? Well, for one, because we've watched the teams in the top continually lose, so it's been a little easier to stay at the top. But, I mean, the thing is, you you know, I think they should drop for their performance. you got to be able to – It's this isn't a unique year. You need style points. You need to whoop teams. And that wasn't it. And so, like, I like this week they got Auburn coming up. Like, you need to go there and, and absolutely beat the brakes off them to convince anybody of anything. So who 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 is your top five then? Or I guess the top four it sounds like is right, but who's the number five team if it ain't Texas A and M? Cincinnati eight no. I mean that's, you know that you know that's what I think though. I think that Cincinnati has earned their stripes. That's I mean maybe I have a little bias towards it because you know we watch the the American, but I do feel like Cincinnati or BYU has has earned that opportunity. What what I hate is what's going to happen is Clemson's going to beat Notre Dame and then assure that the two of them are in. Ohio State, they just got to be able to play their six games and they're in. So I think as long as Alabama takes care of business, I think the fourth, I don't think it's going to matter anyway and we're not going to have any drama. So, I mean, I don't think any of those teams have a chance when you really look at it. So he, here's here's another question I got for you, Randy. So Florida loses to Texas A&M, correct? Yep. Indiana, one loss was to who? Ohio State. Texas A&M ranked fifth. Ohio State ranked third. Why? How do, How do, How is Indiana not in the conversation there? Uh, you know, it's all about that preseason ranking, too. And now Indiana's really out because their starting quarterback is done for the year. So, you know, this is a mute point at this age. Well, I can tell you the first reason is because they didn't win week one. <clears throat> um, but, uh, Daniel, I got – I got you know, you challenge us. Here would, be the, here would be the real question of questions. Florida beats Alabama. Just hear me out. Florida beats Alabama in a close game. And then – Clemson beats Notre Dame, who's left out. Because it's got to be Alabama, Clemson, or Notre Dame with one loss. Like even Randy, let's see, it's a good one. Some somebody's getting getting the shaft. I I think it's going to be Clemson. No way. Not, it's gonna. It'll be Notre Dame because it's gonna be who lost last is out. And then that that is and, true. It, it is. Randy said that on this podcast before. It's better to lose earlier. Much better to lose early. But what? So. So name recognition, marketability, and money that you can make. Notre Dame. Is. Yes. yes. Clemson is a bigger brand right now than Notre Dame. No way. And they beat them without Trevor Lawrence, so that, and that's a, that's going to be looked at by the committee. 
Clemson is – I mean, they've been there like four years in a row. They're a bigger brand right now. You're not talking right, about fans. Right, right now. Right now is all that matters on the TV. We saw Alabama-Notre Dame a couple years ago, and it was boring, and no, they didn't have the ratings that everybody thought they would. I mean, they had great ratings because it's football, and everybody watches football, but it was super boring. To your, point, to your point, it's not going to get what Clemson, Alabama, or, you know, right. who, whoever the – Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, whatever the case may be. Everybody really wants to see Ohio State and Alabama. That I mean, well, I, I mean, I know I do because we keep talking about it. Everybody's like, oh, those are the two biggest names in football. I want to see it happen. We haven't seen it happen in, in a long time. Man, I want to see 8-1 Louisiana and 9-1 Liberty. <laughs> Play for it all. <laughs> Fighting Fallwells. That's right. All right, guys. Let's uh let's go let's go into our our predictions from this past week. Jim, you said LSU over A and M. That's a loss. That brings your record to two and eight. Randy, you were the only winner this week. You went very in your in your eyes, Penn State was winless, and you said, well. That makes it a, a, a tough matchup. but They were my, underdogs. I, I, I got it. I got it. But look, the underdogs that we ended up taking were, were underdogs. I can't, I can't help but y'all bet with your heart, not your head. So, so anyhow, you're, you, you pick up a win. You're three and three. And I gave you your, your back to where we need to be. I gave you two wins last week. I don't want to hear anything about that. Daniel, can All we right. address t- talking about the heart thing, how Randy – manipulated me via text and got me all heated and then said bet 50 and knowing that I would it took my money took my allowance I even had to tell my wife the truth I was like I was like because I sent it through PayPal because that's how Randy does his transactions and of course my wife sees that I'd be like I lost $50 to Randy because he baited me hey you're better than that man wait no you're not who me I t- look, y'all know I'm money over friends yeah. So I I originally picked Colorado over USC. Game gets canceled. So then I at uh knee jerk reaction, I pick Auburn to be Alabama just to give me a reason to watch the game and that didn't happen. So my my record currently sits at 3 and 7. I'm got just as many wins as Randy, but my Overall winning percentage is much, much worse. So this week, Randy, you are the winner so far. So you get to pick first. Who you got? Well, I was going to pick Memphis over Tulane. But now I feel like I'm getting some heat for picking dogs that aren't, you know, massive underdogs. So if I'm going to catch heat for it, I'm going to do something I never do. I'm taking the Tennessee Vols over the Gators. <laughs> who's, starting, that, who's starting quarterback? It doesn't matter. We're not talking about it. Can we bet the let 50 me, back? Can we bet let the me, 50 back? Hell no. I ain't silly. But let me ask you a question. So is Memphis over Tulane? That's not a big enough. Is 17 and a half point dog, is that big enough? Tulane's two, two a one point, a one and a half point underdog. Are, are they favored or not? Seriously, hey, so give me t- give me Tennessee. Is seven half enough? Yes, that's 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 plenty. Okay. Give me them balls, baby. All right, go ahead, take your balls. 
You may go ahead and put an L in the column too. <laughs> well, no, not talking about the Cowboys. Okay, okay. UT over over Florida or over Florida. See what happens there, Jim. Ladies first. Go ahead. Who you got? Can I take a favorite or is that out? Because I mean, I'm too. Hell no. No, not after Randy's spiel. You think I can go back and let you take a favorite? No way. Because, I mean, I was going to take Wisconsin over Indiana, especially since Indiana is the higher-ranked team in Europe. They're talking about they should be ranked higher. No, they lost their starting quarterback. Not happening. I, I mean, they are a 14-point dog, but I – Right. You know what? Since I've been hating on A&M so much, this pains me to even say, give me Auburn. Ugh. Ugh. Auburn over A&M. Daniel's going to go Navy over Tulsa. I can feel it in my bones. How'd you know? Because Memphis needs it. <laughs> yeah, they they need – I mean, they need Tulsa to win, lose three in a row, which, I mean, they got Navy, they got Cincinnati, and I think they got Houston. Do they need three? Because they said on the radio they just need to lose two. Well, I mean, three would, would be <laughs> would help, would make super helpful. Um, so, you got uh, – Auburn over A&M. That leaves it to me. Who am I going to take? Ooh, guys, man, hey, there's going to be the game of the week. Coastal Carolina, 9-0 versus Liberty, 9-1, baby. I mean, if I took Liberty, they're, they're favorite, but would that not be good? <laughs> narrow. Dang, dang, dang. Van, go ahead Van, and go pick Van, like Miami, Vandy over Ohio. Georgia. Vandy over Georgia. Yes, that counts. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh man. Uh, hmm. You would think that out of anybody that would be ready for this, it would be me, but I'm. I am not. So I'm gonna do another knee-jerk reaction here. And I am going to take West Virginia over Iowa State. But I don't understand. It's it's Iowa State's ranked thirteenth, seven and two, and they're they're given seven points. Is that enough? I'm sorry, I just fell asleep when I heard you say those two teams. <laughs> Yeah, I think he got caught up watching West Virginia basketball this weekend and, and then actually started – Bob thinking. Huggins is not coming on that field, DB. I mean, I could take the fighting Justin Fuentes over Clemson. That is your pick right there. No, no, it's not. It's it's West Virginia over Iowa State. I was just say, you can have West Virginia. It's fine. All right, guys. Last call. Jim, what are we working with? What do we miss? Uh, I got a few different things. First of all, uh, you know, Karis Marshall Jr., LSU, shout out, man. You've been amazing for Louisiana State University. He has opted out. A lot of people upset, just like they were with Jamar Chase when the season started, but he has proven that he is NFL worthy. They are fixing to get shellacked the next few games. I see no reason for him to play, so I pass no judgment. Thank you for everything you've done, and good luck to you in your future endeavors. Daniel, Atlanta Braves, sign your boy, Charlie Morton. 
one year, fifteen million. I know it hurts. I know it hurts. I mean, that's what the Rays do. They make people names, and then they say, "Thanks." <laughs> Go get paid somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, and the last thing, not going to spend too much time on it. Everybody in the nation has been talking about it, but Sarah Fuller uh, from Vandy. Um, man, the the thing is, not only did she go out there and accomplish something that hasn't been done before and be a woman on a power five, but she just came off winning the SEC soccer title. So, man, just shout out to her on probably just the best week ever. Absolutely. Randy, what did we miss? I uh, also want to highlight a, uh, a female athlete, uh, a story that I came across. The college football's first female position player scholarship earned a scholarship uh tony harris also fun fact about tony harris she is a cancer survivor she has been adopted four times before the age of 15 uh there was evidence of mental and physical abuse so just the fact that she's overcame all that has her own super bowl commercial and now disney is chasing her down to for the rights to her story. And another fun fact, I, because he is at Central, they allow players to profit off of their likeness. So shout out to the NAIA for using some common damn sense and letting players get paid off of their own abilities. Real. Real for real. Um, I will, for me, I think the one thing that we missed is, you know, originally it was, it was Roy Jones and Mike Tyson putting on their exhibition match that we all know it wasn't a draw. Mike Tyson whooped that fool. I mean, it, it was ugly. But I, I think the the Paul brothers are getting a lot of respect because Nate Robinson got knocked out. So I think, you know, Mike Tyson giving these guys, the, these these boxers, another chance to earn some cash and, and putting all this together, I think, you know, shout out to him for doing that. And whether it's good or not, it's kind of fun to, to watch and kind of, you know, get away from the whole COVID and all the, the, the stress that comes with that and watch some dudes beat up on each other. So moving in, Randy, make us rich, bro. Well, <clears throat> I want to share some good news in, in, a, in a world where people focus on the negative a little too much. The National Retail Federation has come out and said they expect a strong finish to the holiday season. With that, they're saying that sales are supposed to be up between 3.6 and 5.2% over 2019 before we even knew what the coronavirus was. That's $755 billion nationwide. That's a 3.5% increase in average holiday sales over the past five years. So while all is doom and gloom and so many people are out of work, we're dealing with the pandemic, it's good to hear a little light. Of course, I would be remiss if I did not mention that uh, a lot of that is online. That accounts for 20 to 30% of the sales, which obviously in the pandemic world, we expect that and you'll see more of it moving forward. Nice. So, Jim, who are you blowing that whistle on this week? You know, it's not going to be the LSU game because LSU got a call against Arkansas, a few of them. And so maybe it's just coming back around. What I'm going to do is go to the NFL. I watched three games on Sunday, back to back to back. And just like the last time I went on a rant, ironically, it was the same call in each game. 
and it's the same call again, except it's a different call. Now I asked you earlier, I said, does it matter that the refs were consistent in their call? And you said, we do want consistency, but we also want the officiating to be realistic would be the best way to put it. And so the, the referent is roughing the passer when someone touches a quarterback's helmet. And I'm not talking about striking blows. I'm talking about starting with the easiest one in, in the Bucks game. You know, he's running up, arms up in the air. And, I mean, if anything, it looks like he gave him a little armpit to the to face the smell. And it, it was rough in the passer. And it happened in three different games. And every time it was third down, defense should have got off the field. Offense got a fresh set of downs. I don't know what these guys are supposed to do. They're running full speed. They can't do this. They can't do this. They can't do this. They put their arms up. They do everything they can to not hurt these quarterbacks. And, you know, in the other game, like, I mean, two fingers grazed the back of his helmet, Roger's helmet, and they called it. I don't know what you're supposed to do. Defensive backs can't hit nobody. Defensive linemen can't touch the quarterback. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of the refs just not letting these guys play football. Well, guys, my weekly That's What's Up award. I got two of them. Um, And the the first one's going to go to, I mean, it's kind of funny name, College Hunks Moving Junk. Y'all ever seen that moving company? Well, down in Florida, they're pretty big. Um, There's a stand-up guys. uh, Shout out to Casey Walsh and his company. And there's College Hunks Hauling Junk. Well, College Honks is now announcing a new commitment to provide free moves to victims of domestic violence and those currently living in in domestic abusive situations. So College Honks, Holland Jump, that's what's up, guys. That is what's up. Um, And then secondly, I mean, I think it, it, it can't be glanced over. We have to highlight this. Sarah Fuller, given, you know, females and women the opportunity to compete alongside men that's what's up so college honks sarah fuller you guys earned it this week that's what's up goes to y'all guys another badass uh podcast this week man jaleel was great i we i had a lot of fun i don't know about y'all i had a lot of fun you know getting his story and hearing about him i'm still blown away on how he got into his fighting and Randy was right there on the side just saying, yeah, let, let him go in there. I want to see that <laughs> go on in there, dude. Um, but if you guys like hearing average Joe's talking X's and O's, please like, and share the podcast on Facebook, retweet us on Twitter, listen and subscribe on Apple podcasts, Spotify, and anchor as always your comments, ratings, and feedback is always welcome. We'll see everyone next week for episode eight, where we will be talking to Cameron Connor who plays Northwest Community College Volleyball. We're going to get her perspective on the JUCO volleyball scene and and what it's like trying to navigate uh, JUCO volleyball in the COVID and how she's planning on moving to the next level of four-year university. This has been the In Off the Bench podcast. Strong bodies, sharp minds, grit and grind all the time. We're out.